You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. And if I can just kind of bring us up to today as to what's been happening in spiritually as a church and where God has been leading us. Uh, when we really we entered into the autumn season, we felt the Lord so clearly speaking to us just to renew this passionate relationship with Him, that we would be in love with the Lord, that He would be our one and only desire, uh, that He would really be our first love. And so we, we really spent the, the month of September looking at this aspect of, of being passionately in love with Jesus, uh, completely abandoned in Him and, and giving of ourselves to Him. And, and from that place of being passionately in love with Him, we moved into this aspect of the mission side of that. That to love Him is to love people. We can't say we love God and not love the people around us. The only expression we have really of loving God is to love the people that are visible around us. The least of these among us. The older people. The, the people who are in need. The, the, the neighbors around us. It's us being the hands and feet of Christ. That's how we express love to God. It's by loving people. Yes, it isn't just about being super spiritual at home in our prayer closet. And yes, there's a part, there's a part of that of expressing how much we love Him. But to demonstrate true love for God is how we do it, hands on. Moving forward though, when we start looking at really demonstrating Christ to the world around us, we don't have to go too far in Scripture before we come to the book of Acts. And we realize that actually we, we don't have what it takes to truly do it all, do we? My love falls short. My, my inability comes very quickly. And God, is, God knew this. And in order for us to be the church that he wants us to be, he gave us the Holy Spirit. And before we get into it, I'm just going to pray. Father, I, I pray that you would illuminate your word to us today. Father, we want to catch something from you. Lord, we want our hearts to be challenged. We don't want this to just be a time where we, we're here, where it comes in one ear and out the other. But Father, I pray we'd be hearers and doers, that there would be something stirring our hearts for you today. In your name, amen. And so we start from this position that when we give our lives to Jesus, something happens inside of us, doesn't it? We don't just, in our minds, give our life to Jesus and somehow we become better people all of a sudden. But actually something happens. And what happens is, is that the Spirit of God begins to dwell in us. He takes residence in our hearts, in our lives. And in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, it says, Do you not know that your body is the temple or the house of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And this context is, is really speaking about sexual sin. But yet, there's this understanding that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And so, so when we give our lives to Jesus, His Spirit comes and takes over on the inside of us. It's something supernatural. We're born again. Whoosh! Something comes alive in us that wasn't there before. The Holy Spirit then is to come and He's there to be our counselor, to, to give us power and boldness, to, to do the transforming work of sanctification where the old man is now dead and the new man starts to come to, come to life. That isn't something we just put on. It isn't about trying to be a better person, but it's about the Holy Spirit doing something powerful from the inside out. 
The Holy Spirit comes and He brings life and He brings freedom. He helps us to pray. He convicts us of sin. He, he brings fruit out of our lives. There's love and there's joy and there's peace and there's goodness and there's self-control. And the whole fruit of the Spirit starts to operate through our lives. Not because we're trying to produce fruit, but the Holy Spirit just comes and does it. All on its own. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is there. But then He's given gifts to the church so that we, we can start to move in, in hearing His Word and understanding His heart and the kingdom of God and all His goodness starts to work its way into the church because we are to look like God. Yes, we are the representation. We are His body on this earth. And so the gifts of the Spirit are this supernatural empowerment to the church that we can speak His Word, that we can know His heart, that we can, we can demonstrate His power and healing and signs of wonders, having faith to believe for the impossible. In other words, our lives should look different to those around us because the Spirit of God is alive in us. Amen? I said amen? amen. Alright, stay with me. Good. Our lives should look something different because the Spirit of God is in us. When the Holy Spirit shows up, supernatural things happen. When the Holy Spirit shows up, supernatural things happen. Why? Because it's the Spirit of God. You think of it... Paul writes that the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. If that happens, then supernatural things need to happen in my life if He is really inside of me. If we look at kind of in two parts, that salvation, it's a supernatural thing that my life is changed from the inside out. That's supernatural. A couple of weeks ago, we were... Um, Chris and Julie and I, we met with a guy in Brighton and we were looking at an outreach we're going to be doing to the LGBT community in um, next month. And one of the things he said that really struck me, and it was just profound, he said uh, he did drugs uh, before and, and all sorts of things. And he says, when I came to Jesus, the best way I can explain it is the feeling of being on ecstasy, but without a down. He said, when I experienced Jesus in my life, it was this overwhelming sense of His love and His presence that was so enveloping, but I never came down from it. That's supernatural. That's not just some kind of hoopla in a service. That's something that changes a person. And He says, whatever I had before, whatever I thought was for my gain, I, really is nothing in comparison to what I've got now in Jesus. That's supernatural. That's something that only the Holy Spirit could do. And that's why I think when someone gives their lives to Jesus, there should be change because the Spirit of God is at work in us. There should be a fruit of the Spirit. There should be evidence that His Spirit is working because no work in the Holy Spirit be and there not be something supernatural happening. You see, when we give our lives to Jesus, it isn't just saying a prayer. And I think some people even in the church, if I can dare say this, we may have a false security that because we said a prayer sometime that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. But actually, the Holy Spirit comes when we surrender our lives to the Lord. We give of ourselves over to Him. It isn't about one day, some time ago, you gave your, you know, you said a prayer in Sunday school, but there wasn't a sense of surrender. It's a point of surrender where we give our way to the Holy Spirit, that His Spirit comes and starts to do something supernatural in us. But then going forward, even from the salvation side, we also have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to touch on today. When the Holy Spirit comes and He, he says, I want to immerse you, I want to fill you completely. Something supernatural should happen. Whenever God comes by His Spirit, something happens. 
And we're going to look this, this morning at a couple stories. And I tell you what, you look through the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. Every time you see the Holy Spirit, you see something happened. And it wasn't just blasé. God did something. When the Holy Spirit came upon someone, something happened. You don't see in Scripture ever the Holy Spirit coming upon a person and they just carried on as usual. Did their shopping. Did whatever. Something happened. There's a reason why the Holy Spirit came. And so the first one we're going to look at, great example, is in 1 Samuel. If you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 19. 1 Samuel chapter 19. And here, Saul, the story, kind of pick up the story. Saul doesn't like David because David's been anointed to be king and he's aware of this. And he's trying to kill David with all his strength. He, he, he doesn't like the guy anymore. And in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 19, he's, he's on a mission to kill David. Do you think that was a holy mission? No, it was an ungodly mission. He was trying to kill the Lord's anointed. It wasn't something of God. And yet, when we read in the story, Saul encounters the Lord in the most peculiar way. Starting at verse 18 of chapter 19 of 1 Samuel, it says, When David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. Then he and Samuel went to Naioth, if that's how you say it, and stayed there. When the word came to Saul that David is Naioth at Ramah, so he, he sent men to capture him. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came on the, Saul's men, and they also prophesied. Saul also uh, was told about it, and uh, he sent more men, and they prophesied too. Saul then sent men a third time, and they also prophesied. Finally, I'm sure at this point, Saul thought to himself, I'm gonna, just going to go myself. These guys are, I don't know what's going on here. So finally, he himself left for Ramah and went to the great cistern at Seku. And he asked, where are Samuel and David? They're over in Namath, or Naoth, uh, at Ramah, they said. So Saul went to Naoth at Ramah, but the Spirit of God came even upon him. See, see that word, even? Even upon him. And he walked among prophesying until he came to Naoth. He stripped off his robes. I wouldn't say he became naked, but he stripped off his, his kingly gardens, gar, garments and also prophesied with, in Samuel's presence. He lay there, he lay that way all day and night. This is why people say, is Saul also among the prophets? What's the situation here? He was out to kill David. That was his, this, that was his ambition. And yet he comes into the contact with the Spirit of God. And he sends men, soldiers, that probably were not in prayer meetings before they entered this moment. And yet the Spirit of God comes upon him and something supernaturally happens. Paul, or Saul himself, he, he, he goes and, and tries to, to do as best he can to, to, um, to get David. And yet he, even in all his, at this point, I would dare say wickedness, he can't resist the work of the Holy Spirit. There's two conclusions from this particular story that we're reading. Is that when the Holy Spirit shows up, supernatural things happen. God moves in hearts. Things happen that Paul, or Saul, Saul, 
Saul was going in one direction and God stopped him at the point that he came in contact with the Spirit of God. We can't underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has the power to change and bring um, a, a complete change to people's perspective and lives. It demonstrated, the second thing is it demonstrated the power of God and not the works of people. Saul was still out to, to kill, but God stopped him in his tracks. Demonstrated the fact that no matter what, when God's Spirit is moving and in control, we can come with whatever our ambitions are. But His Spirit comes and breaks through that. But then if we look, jump into the book of Acts, we see another story. And here we see people actually who've given their lives to Jesus, and yet we see something supernatural also happen. In Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 7, it says this, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we've not even heard of the, that there's a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Paul placed his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were 12 men in all. So here are these guys. They were saved, right? They would have given their lives to Jesus. There was a baptism of repentance. They, they truly had, had given their lives to the Lord. And yet they hadn't received that second infilling, the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so when Paul came in contact with these guys, saying, that's so fantastic that you've come to know the Lord, but have you received the Holy Spirit? And they're like, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. This is amazing. So Paul placed his hands on them, and there was a manifestation of the Spirit. They spoke in tongues and they prophesied. There was an evidence that the Holy Spirit came. You know, that's the second understanding is that every time the Holy Spirit comes, there's evidence that He's there. The Holy Spirit moves in such a way that's tangible. We understand it because there's a manifestation. What does the manifestation mean? There's evidence. And throughout the book of Acts, if you read through it, every time we again we see the Holy Spirit showing up, there was something happened. People spoke in tongues. People prophesied. There was healings. There was miraculous deliverance of people demon-possessed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came. There was something that happened. There was a manifestation. In fact, tongues and then prophecy are what we see probably most often in the New Testament. In the book of in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, it says, Tongues edifies ourselves, prophecies to edify the church. But the Spirit gives this evidence of His baptism, of His of Him coming in and moving in our lives because there's, there's an overflow of it. There has to be. He's God. How can we say the God of the universe comes and dwells in my life and not be a sign that something's there? It would be no different than saying, you know, the God of the universe has just empowered me to play football. Would you not expect something different of my playing skills to the guy who does not have the empowerment of God in him? Would you not? You would expect, wow, this guy's going to be awesome. Well, how would it happen? What would it look like if I got onto the field, onto the pitch, and I looked the same as, or even worse, than the people around me? 
Sometimes I think we, as Christians, we, 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 we don't fully appreciate or we haven't fully tapped into the power of the presence of God in our lives. And so, although we could proclaim it, we need to see the evidence of it. And if there's anything in my own life is, is I've been, even this season that we're in, just this fact that I don't know if I see the evidence of God's power in my, work in my life as I ought to. When we look at, these are the signs of those who believe. They will cast out demons. They will pray for the sick and be healed. They will, they will, you know, tread on snakes and scorpions. There's, um, I don't want to get the whole passage messed up, but, you know, drink deadly poison. I'm not saying that we do things that are just dangerous for the sake of it. But I'm saying there's something that's, there's signs that follow us who believe because the Holy Spirit is at work in us. And the challenge I have for my life is, is this Holy Spirit, is there evidence of the gifts of the Spirit in my life? Is there evidence of His, of His infilling in my life? Or is it something that we use the word Pentecostal, or we use the word um, being baptized in a very kind of flimsy thing, or a very cheap context, when actually, when the Holy Spirit comes, there's change. He's the change agent. He's the only one who can bring transformation. And I know we have a heart to see our community reach for Christ. We have a heart to see Brighton touch. We have a heart to see Burgess Hill and Hayward Heath and Hastings in this area touch for Jesus. But you know, you and I cannot do it. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. Why? Because we need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. As believers, I think we can be just like the 12 disciples that we, or 12, yeah, the 12 disciples we just read about. They had heard about Jesus, they, they understood Jesus, they, they had accepted Him into our lives. But they weren't seeing the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit moving through them quite yet. We're not utilizing all that God has on offer for us. And probably the best way I can probably illustrate this is with, let's look at this light. Is Chris at the back? Can you control this light? Alright, here's a light. Yeah, there you go. I want to. Can I move it? It's hot. All right, here we go. So, so this light has come to the stage for such a time as this, and this light has been plugged in to a source of power right here. When we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are tapping ourselves in to a great power source of His presence. To think of it, the God of the universe dwells in our earthen vessels, in our bodies. He's in us. Right? We've already said the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. His Spirit dwells in you. And so when we say, Lord Jesus, I, I want you to come into my life. I want you to have, come and take control. It's like plugging in to the source. Okay, don't, not, not yet. We plug into the source. And, and maybe, can you just put it up just a little bit? Just a little bit. Alright, so we come to go, and there's, there's something there. There's, there's some new life starting to percolate in our hearts, and something starts to change in us. We're all excited for Jesus. But there's still more. And sometimes we stop right there at half dim. We're, we're a bit of a light, but not the full light of Christ in our world, changing the environment around us. And so God challenges us that actually there's more of my spirit to be at work in your lives than what you've, you've got right now. 
And so to tap into it and to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is like putting the light on full. Woo. I know, it's really impressive, isn't it? We can be plugged into the we can be plugged into the source all we want. But we need to allow the Holy Spirit to come and move through us in ways that is supernatural. You know, electricity is super well, it's not supernatural, but it's it's very cool. <laughs> you don't see it. But it's there. You see the effects of it. You see electricity that's released. You see the effect of electricity. We don't see electricity. But we see the effect of electricity. We can be trying to do it on our own. Trying to hope that change happens. When all the while we need to plug into the electricity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To give us the power that we could otherwise not do. That lamp. Unplugged. Or without the power coming to it, it's just a lamp sitting there. How are we to be the city on a hilltop or the light that, that lights up the, wor- the world if the light isn't coming from the Holy Spirit, enabling us to be that light? That lamp on its own can do nothing. It provides no light. It's just something collecting dust. And to be honest, you and I are just collecting dust if we're not giving the light of the Holy Spirit through our lives. But if the Holy Spirit can find its way through you, and if you give way to the Holy Spirit and invite the Holy Spirit to come and move in your lives, it's like allowing that dimmer switch to come on. And suddenly what was just you becomes something supernatural. And the light of the Christ, the light of the Holy Spirit starts to shine through your life in tangible ways that are supernatural to the world around you. Do you know what? The Holy Spirit is for all of us. In Acts chapter 2, we see on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, Peter quotes Joel in, in, in what we see in Acts chapter 2, and there was this big question of what is all of this stuff happening? And Peter says, you shouldn't really be surprised at what you're seeing right now, because it was prophesied about it right now. Or it was prophesied in Joel. And in, in 17... Of chapter 2, it says, in these days, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I want you to say all. I want you to look to the person beside you and say all. That means it includes them. And it includes you. All. I will pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. Guess what? It's not even a gender thing. I will pour out my spirit on those days and they will prophesy. Do you know what? Are we living in that? I will pour out my spirit. What does that mean? Is I will plug you in to the internal source, the, the infinite source of power and life through my spirit. I will come and be in your life and you will make difference not because of you and your great works but because something supernatural happens because the Spirit of God is upon you. You and I can do nothing but with plugged into the power source all things are possible through Christ Jesus. All things. Why? Because now there's a source of life and power in my life that's not me. 
And all, I, all, the, all the place I have in it is to give way to it. I control the switch. Do I allow the Holy Spirit to come and move in my life or do I not? It can be a bit of a scary thing to just let the Spirit have His way in you. And yet, do you know what? I believe we're living with second class or in a substandard to what God has intended. I, my biggest prayer for the church is that we was, what we see in the book of Acts, we would see today. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His Holy Spirit was poured out upon all flesh. That hasn't changed. We haven't, the season of this has not changed. We're still in the same season as the book of Acts. It started then, but is now still here. The Holy Spirit is, is, is for our, our taking. And especially, I think, as a, as a church that would be open and, and proclaim that we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is there an effect supernaturally because the Holy Spirit is in our midst? I'm challenged that every service, if we're asking the Holy Spirit to come, then there should be something supernatural about what God is doing in our midst. And as I said at the beginning, that can be from the inside out, change to our hearts, that's supernatural, but also change to our situations, change to what's going on around us. My prayer is we would see healings, we would see deliverance, that we would have the discernment of spirits and be able to take the authority that God has called us to take. But it doesn't just happen. And I'm keenly aware that, you know, I can pray for someone all I want, but unless God touches them, it's just a prayer on my part. But I want to move in God's power and His presence because He says, I'm able to. And if Jesus says, if you look at me and all that I've done, I will allow you to do even greater things than these when the Holy Spirit comes. Do we? I think we look at Jesus as the pinnacle and he says, I'm the starting place. Right? He was the starting place of what the church would then walk into. He says, I'm just an example of what you'll become. But the church will actually, you guys will do even greater things than these. Guys, we've got a long ways to go. Because Jesus looks like he's the, he's the champion of it all. And he, yes, he was and he is. But you know, he's in us. Wanting to do even greater things through you and through me. Because the Spirit is now poured out upon all people. And yet, it seems so simple. What is the, what is the, what is the, uh, the, the secret to this? Is asking. We see in Luke, this whole dialogue that Jesus was giving about prayer and Seeking after and knocking and, and just pressing in. And in, in, in chapter 11, verse 11, it says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give, you, give him a scorpion? If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? question for you and for me is how much are we asking for the Holy Spirit really in our lives? And I, I really don't think it's a one-off thing. It isn't that tent meeting 10 years ago that you were really touched by the Holy Spirit and you got your fill. You know, the disciples, when, when they were filled, we see it in, in the book of Acts, they were filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then a few chapters later, they were facing persecution. They went, God, we need boldness. We need help. And God filled them again with the Holy Spirit. 
There's this pattern we see in Scripture that they kept going back for more. The sense of asking, God, we need more of your Spirit. This month we're going to, I hope as a church, really delve into the Holy Spirit. To never immerse again. That we would move into the things of the Holy Spirit. Guys, we need, when we come together, Paul talks about the order of service, that there should, there should only be a certain amount of tongues and interpretation and, and prophecy, but it all needs to be done in order. And, you know, someone comes with a word and someone comes with, and it, you look at it and you think, wow, we don't see that really. The order of service that he was talking about was everyone coming with gifts of the Spirit in operation and how to control it. Our order of service is when we sing, when we sit down, when someone comes and speaks. And that's our order of service. Where Paul talks about the order of service in the New Testament church was all about how the gifts of the Spirit are to operate. And so there's harmony. There's a sense of God speaking. Guys, we need to be tapping into that. We need to hear tongues and interpretation. We need to hear prophecy coming forth. When we come together, we each should be having something of the Spirit in our lives. Why? For the common good so the church will be built up and there's a sense that this Spirit is here. And that anyone who comes into the church would know that something spiritual, something supernatural is happening because the Holy Spirit was in our, our midst. The Holy Spirit, we never see in Scripture the Holy Spirit being poured out or moving upon people and people just having a nice experience. Right? Maybe you found a Scripture I have not seen yet. But nowhere do we see. We don't see the Holy Spirit coming upon Samson and him just enjoying a great worship service. The Spirit came upon Samson for business, for the will of God to be accomplished. Something was to happen. And when we come together as a church, the Spirit of God needs to be here and be moving amongst us for something that's God-ordained, His purposes and His plans, His kingdom being established on earth as it is in heaven. Something supernatural is to happen. It isn't just so we feel good, although that is a great byproduct. That's not the goal. The goal is that His power would be manifested in and through all of our lives. And it isn't for a one-man show. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, your old men, your young men, your old ladies, your young ladies, everyone. I added the last little bit, but I'm sure that's what the intention was in Scripture. Everyone was to receive the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament, it was only for select purposes of, or for select people. And often it was just for a moment. The Holy Spirit would come upon a person and then the Holy Spirit would leave them again. We live in this time with the Holy Spirit. We can be plugged into the source tw- sorry, 24-7. That's awesome. But are we? Guys, maybe you're here today and I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. Maybe you're here today and I... Uh, even when I'm talking about baptism of the Holy Spirit, the sense of the Holy Spirit coming, you, you've, you've, yes, you've come to Christ, but you've never experienced this baptism. And what does it mean? It means God comes and He envelops our lives. He takes over. But we give Him permission to. I discover that God is, is gentle in, in how He approaches us. He wants us to, to ask and to seek. And if today you're here and you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, can I tell you, you know if you have. Why? Because there's evidence of that. 
You can't be baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and not be changed. You, how can that happen? How can the God of the universe baptize you, immerse you in Him, and you come out the same way? There's got to be evidence of that. And again, not to get a kind of a dogmatic theological perspective, but you know, we often see in the book of Acts, tongues being something, a prayer language coming out that people began to speak in tongues. Why? It was supernatural. There's something evident that God had come to town in that person's life. God wants to move in your heart. He wants to move in my heart. And our, our pursuit this month, and not just this month, but I, I pray it spurs us as a church, that we begin to pursue the Holy Spirit. Pursue the Spirit of God. Yes, we want to see great things happen in the kids' work and in, in alphas and all other things, but unless God's power comes, nothing will happen, really. People might feel good, might feel like we're a nice church, but that's not going to change anyone's life. It's only when the Spirit of God comes that people's lives are changed. Supernatural things happen. I don't know if, Chris, if you can come and just play on the guitar a little bit. Jesus challenges us to come and drink. Those who are thirsty, to come. Those who are hungry, to come. And uh, what we're going to do, why don't you stand Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people, in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.